Hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. We've been dealing with some tough questions here at Discovery Point for a couple months, and we've been going through things like, is God sovereign? And uh, last week, we, we had the, the, the powerful message on... Uh, on you know sexual identity and those things and and it was very uh, eye opening and and so I thought we would kind of end the conversation moving into Thanksgiving with this idea of pain and suffering in the world and uh, to do that I want us just to begin with prayer get our hearts right and let's get ready to receive what God has for us Father we do take this opportunity to say thank you for the time that we got to worship from our voices and our minds and our spirits. And Lord, that is what you've asked us to do. You've called us to be worshipers. And so, Father, we pray that we took advantage of the opportunity to worship. And Father, we thank you for the opportunity to to converse, to be in relationship. For those of us who have served, served our country, the two gentlemen here and their families that served us well, we thank you for their lives and, and the many who have served us well there. Father, as we come to the Word this weekend, we pray that as we engage the Scriptures, that the Scriptures engage us. We don't want to come with any preconceived notions. We don't want to come with anything other than a humble heart and a teachable spirit. Speak to us, Father, through Your Word in new, fresh, and compelling ways that we understand You more and You shape our character further into the image of Jesus. We ask all of this. In the matchless name of Christ, amen and amen. Wilson Misner said that life is a tough proposition and the first hundred years are the hardest. There's a lot of truth to that, right? Life is a tough proposition. I guess when you think about life, you think about those of us maybe in the room, maybe at some point in our journey where life has literally brought us to our knees. And if you live long enough, life will bring you to your knees. Pain and sorrow and suffering, abandonment. There's so many areas of life, and, 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 and Misner is right. It is a tough proposition. But that begs a question of faith, and that is this. If God is so good, then why all the bad? Maybe you've asked that question, or maybe you're asking that question right now in your life. Maybe you're, you're going through something, and, and you're wondering, well, if, if this God of the Scriptures is such a good God, then why does He allow all of the bad things to happen? You know, the other side of that coin is this. We're actually not sure all of the evil and the suffering that God constrains either. So there's two sides to that coin, and to some degree, we understand this idea of pain and suffering and and evil in the world, and and some of that we experience through human choice, right? Maybe we've made choices, or someone around us has made a choice, and we either were the recipient of that, that choice of evil and suffering and pain and and, and whatever that that was in your life, or, or maybe... You've made the decision. I've certainly made those choices. And now that ripple effect goes out from me. And 
it affects others in our lives. And so we understand that element of pain and suffering and, and hurt. What we don't understand is the seemingly senselessness that's not tied directly to human choice. What's beautiful about the question is God's word does not evade the issue at all. God's word speaks a lot. In fact, you, if you understand and know something about the scriptures, you will see that suffering and pain are central to the narrative of the Bible. In fact, early in the scriptures in the book of Job, which may be the first book, the oldest book in the Bible. I know it's not located chronologically there, but some believe it is the oldest book of the Bible. When you understand the story of Job and the loss and and his experience, it's like if God began this journey with humanity to understand life is a tough proposition. But we want a reason for the hurt, do we not? We want a reason for the pain. We want what's the meaning of what we experience? What's the meaning of the hurt or the abandonment? What's What's the meaning of the loss? What, what does it mean? And, and that's a fair question. We want to know what's the reason for what we are going through in life. And we believe if, if we can understand the reason or the meaning to what we are experiencing, then somehow, some way, it makes what we're experiencing a little more palatable, if you will. Viktor Frankl, in his work, Man's Search for Meaning, says this, If there is a meaning in life at all, then there must be meaning in suffering. Suffering is an irradicable part of life. In other words, failing to see the meaning doesn't mean there is no meaning. Failing to see the reason or identify the reason of what we experience on this journey as, as humans doesn't mean there isn't meaning in the process. So to help us understand this a little bit better, I thought we would look at the life of the Apostle Paul and just extract a few things from his journey. Paul had his share of sufferings, right? You see that in the scripture. So what if we took a page out of Paul's suffering playbook and extracted things that might encourage us on our journey? So let's examine a few things from Paul's life and suffering. One of the things I want us to see is that Paul's suffering facilitated a deeper awareness of God's presence and Christ's power. Paul's suffering, it created and it facilitated something in his life, a deeper relationship with God and God's power through the person of Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10, we see Paul speak to this. So beginning in verse 7, Paul says, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, I love that line, right? <laughs> he said, to keep me from becoming conceited, here's what happened. A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, well, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities, for when I am weak, I am strong. Paul understood that suffering, and this 
messenger of Satan, most scholars believe that some type of relationship with Paul, a demon-type possessed relationship where there's a person in his life that's a thorn in the side. You, you may have had one of those. Sometimes we may have been that person, right, to some degree. So Paul, it's so intense that Paul is pleading with the Lord, take this out of my life. But God says, no, my grace is sufficient. C.S. Lewis says that God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts to us in our pains. Have you ever noticed that in your own life? Have you ever noticed when, when you're hurting, when there's pain, when there's sorrow, when there's suffering, when, when there's setback, when there's loss? Have you ever noticed that you and I have the tendency to discover more about God in those times than when it's smooth sailing? Have you noticed that about your life? It's kind of my story. I remember we started this ministry in April of 2001, and we were not very smart back then, and maybe not very smart now. That's mattered but we started in April and and we didn't know that was not a great time to start a church because now you're heading into summer in Phoenix and we had no idea we learned early on this is not a good plan but unfortunately you remember that that September of 2001 9-11 happened in our in our nation and if you can remember at that time churches began just to fill up immediately more people, were, more people were sensitive, more people were responding, uh, more people were thinking about their spiritual life and their walk just individually and collectively as a nation. And man, for a few weeks, I thought, man, this is, e this is easy peasy to start a church. And then over time, as we as humans do, that, that intensity, right, that fire, that, that idea that I need to move closer to God just begin to wane. And, and it's natural. For us. And so if you think about pain and suffering in your life, if you think about hurt, if you think about those things, what we extract from Paul's life is that that facilitated something in his relationship with God. It, it, it took him deeper. He understood God's grace in ways that he had never understood God's grace before then. And then he says, not only that, but the power of Christ, the power of Christ resides on me in deeper and more impactful ways. The second thing that we see in Paul and his suffering is that Paul's suffering opened the door to serve and to share with others. E. Stanley Jones says this, Don't bear trouble. Use it. Take whatever happens. Justice and injustice, pleasure and pain, compliment, criticism. Take it up into the purpose of your life and make something out of it. Turn it into a testimony. That's easy for him to say, right? Turn it. Don't waste the pain. So, for example, in Galatians chapter 4, verses 12 to 14, uh, let, let's read what Paul says here. Paul says in Galatians chapter 4, 12 to, to 14, he says, Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also became as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment. There it is. A bodily ailment, look at what he says, that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God as Jesus Christ. So it, it's believed that in Acts chapter 13, verse 13, we see Paul and Pamphylia. Some scholars believe that while he was there, he contracted malaria. 
And because he contracted malaria, now some believe that Paul transitions into Galatia to Pisidian Antioch, which is a healthier place, 3,600 feet above sea level. And so some believe that Paul went to Pisidia Antioch there to get well and recover from the, from the malaria that he had contracted in Pamphylia. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that when we experience pain and suffering in our life, when we, we go through things that, that, that we, we know are going to be hurtful and painful and discomfort, isn't it amazing the doors that God will open in our lives? Isn't it amazing who you will begin to befriend and what sphere of influence that you will begin to operate in when things in your life, when there's, Paul's like, I have a bodily ailment, something's going on. It opened up a whole new door of ministry for him to serve and to share with those in his life that he otherwise might have never come in contact with. Think about the people in your life. Think about the things you've been through. Think about situations that you didn't see coming, you were involved in, and outside of, of something, uh, suffering or pain or, or, or some other thing, you would have never entered into that relationship, met that person, had that experience. It is amazing how God will use the difficult things in life to open up doors for the gospel. Just a few weeks ago, we have one of our ladies here. She, she, is, she was sick and she went to the doctor. And, and what did she do? The next Sunday, she brought the nurse that was serving her to church. Right? Same idea. Suffering can open up doors that actually we've never believed could be opened before. That was what we see in Paul's life. Uh, pay attention to the people that God brings into your life, even in the difficult moments. Now, it's pretty easy when we're not feeling well, when we're hurting, when they're suffering. I'm not thinking a lot about others, are you? It's a difficult proposition. But Paul says, because I was sick, God opened the door for me to preach the gospel to you. What a way to serve and share others when we're experiencing suffering. The last thing I extract from Paul's life and suffering, there are many, but I, just three that I extracted, is that Paul believed that suffering had this sanctifying element to it. Right? He, he believed that, that suffering had this, this, this beautiful, meaningful way of sanctifying his people. We see this in Romans 8, 28, and 29. Uh, it, it, it's a familiar verse, but, but let's not... Let it be so familiar that we don't see the importance of it. So let's begin reading in verse 28. And Paul says, and we know. Say that with me. And we know. You know what I noticed he didn't say? And I know. Collectively. This is so important, right, when we're going through difficult times. And we know. Sometimes I need you to know because I may not know. And when we know together, right, there's a solidification of, of a conviction that when we're going through something difficult or painful or challenging or lost, when we know together, it's one of the beautiful ways that the body operates. Because you may be involved in something, all of a sudden you don't know. But we may know and get connected with those who know. And we know. Notice what Paul says. And, and we know that for those who love God, all things, say all things, things. Now, I think if we're like, now if I'm writing this, I'm probably going to take out the word all and say something along the lines of good things. Paul is convinced that it's all things. And man, there's those days where that's easy to preach and it's easy to talk about, but when all things doesn't include the good things, it includes the hard things, it makes it more challenging. He, Paul says, and we're knowing that in all things, look at what he says, 
their work together for good. They work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. Verse 29, for those He foreknew, He also predestined, here it is, the sanctification piece, to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And we know something. We know something. We know something. It's the beauty of our faith. Christianity gives incredible meaning to pain and suffering. We know something. God's working it out for the good. may not feel like it. Amen? You may not see it. may not. But you know, we know that God is working it out. C.S. Lewis said this, We're not necessarily doubting that God will do the best for us. We're just wondering how painful the best will turn out to be. It's true, isn't it? We're not wondering if God is doing the best for us. We're just wondering how painful the best will turn out to be. We understand that idea, right? We understand that there's some pain in life that actually is good, correct? We understand that idea that then there's certain pain that's good. So, for example, Monday we, our daughter had a baby, and within two hours, with not even two hours, they're poking and prodding, and she's crying. She's not been on the planet two hours, and the pain has already started. But they said it was for her good. That's what they said. We understand that, right? You have children, maybe the first time you took them to get shots, and, and, and you knew what was coming. They didn't. And the entire time you're like, oh, you just kind of felt bad. But you knew. You knew. This is best. It's what Paul's talking about, all these things working out good, even though it feels painful, we'd understand that there is some pain in life that actually brings about promise and hope and goodness. First Peter 2.21, Peter says this, that Christ also suffered for us. You know, the beautiful thing about Jesus, and Jeff was expounding on that during our time with the Lord's Supper, he, he, he talked about, about this, this sacrifice of Jesus and and in Matthew, the scripture says that, that Jesus was so sorrowful, he was, he was hurting so much that Matthew describes Jesus as, as falling on his face. He was so distraught. He was hurting so bad that, that he literally fell on his face and, and life had brought Jesus to his knees. Friends, life will bring you to your knees. It will bring us to those places where there's not understanding. We don't see it. We don't feel it. We ask why. And by the way, Jesus asked the why question. Did he not? Father, why have you forsaken me? In Jesus, we see the, we see the innocent suffering for the guilty, an illegal trial, pain and torture at the hands of a, of a professional executioner walking outside of the city, carrying his own cross, being laid on the ground, nails driven in his hands, public shame and humiliation, abandonment, suffocation, ultimately death. And Peter says, he suffered for us. Here's the beautiful thing about that story, right? Is that God was not going to allow the pain and the suffering to have the last word. 
He was not going to allow it. And three days later, you know the story. The power of Christ, of, G, of, of the Father, transformed the suffering of Jesus into a resurrection. The Father was saying, the pain, the suffering, the abandonment, it will not have the last word. And those of us who are in Christ know this, pain and suffering will not have the last word. There is something better coming. There is something better coming. And in fact, John the Revelator in Revelation 21, he gives us a glimpse into this something better coming. Read with me verses 1 through 4. The scripture says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Oh, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem. It was coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And he said, I heard a loud voice from the throne. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be as their God. Look at verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There's going to be no more death, shall be no more. There'll be no more mourning, crying, pain, cancer, divorce, abandonment, abuse, for the former things have passed away. That's the power that those of us who are in Christ, we get to experience the power, the pain, the suffering, the abandonment, the loss, the sickness, the hurting, the depression will not have the last word. Jesus is proof of that. Life under the tapestry. In the midst of Nazi occupation, of Holland, there was an unassuming woman who, by the way, is believed to be the country's first watchmaker. Her and her family had a secret, had a secret place. And so her family had a place in their home where they began secretly hiding Jews who were refugees and on the run, and others as well, not just Jewish, but they they had a place for many who were on the run trying to escape the Nazi regime at the time. By the way, it's believed that Corrie Ten Boom and her family gave refuge to over 800 people in the hiding place. Eventually, Corrie Ten Boom and her sister and her family, they were found out and they were arrested. Corrie Ten Boom and her sis sister Betsy once they were arrested, they eventually ended up at the concentration camp in Ravensbrück. While there, they experienced all the horrors of the concentration camp. <clears throat> A few days before Corey Ten Boom was released on January, on December 31st, 1944, I should say, her sister Betsy passed away. Inspired by Betsy's example of selfless love and forgiveness amidst the cruelty and the persecution and the pain and the suffering of the concentration camp, Corey Ten Boone established a post-war home for other camp survivors trying to recover from the horrors that they had experienced. There was a poem that became central to Corey Ten Boone's life. It is not known if she wrote the poem or she just adopted it and memorized it but quoted it often it's called the tapestry 
poem. It goes like this. My life is but a weaving between my God and me. I cannot choose the colors. He weaveth steadily. Oft times he weaveth sorrow, and I in foolish pride forget he sees the upper and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttle cease to fly will God unroll the canvas and reveal the reason why. The dark threads are needful in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. He knows, he loves, he cares. Nothing this truth can dim. He gives the very best to those who leave the choice to him. When Corey Ten Boom would speak about her faith, what she had experienced, she would use a tapestry. In fact, it's my understanding that this tapestry is in her home as a museum today. And so she would take the back of the tapestry and she would show it to the crowd. She would show the tapestry, and the tapestry represented our lives. It represented we might be able to make out what's happening, but we actually can't fully see the tapestry. She would talk about that on earth, even in this poem, it talks about that, that, that we are living beneath this tapestry. But if you were to look on the other side, you see something incredibly beautiful. You see the crown. And she lived with this idea that we live beneath this tapestry. It's tangled. It's messy. It doesn't make sense. But she lived with this idea that only heaven will reveal the top part of God's tapestry. How true. Only heaven will reveal the top part of God's tapestry. You know, the things that we go through, sometimes we don't have an ultimate why, do we? We just don't. I, I have a, one of my favorite books. I've had it since 1990, May of 1990. A buddy gave me this book and my buddy wrote me a pretty incredible note in this book. And about 10 years ago, my friend who gave me this book, he was experiencing something so painful in his life that he took his own life. So painful, so dreadful, so much suffering that he's like, no more. I, I, I can't take any more. And... And when I read this book and go back and, and, and revisit the incredible gift that my friend gave me, I, I don't have an answer of why he would do that other than the depth of the pain was unbearable. Some of us have felt that. Some of us understand that feeling, that depth, that hurt. We, we understand that that's a part of the human experience. And as Charles Haddon Spurgeon says this in closing, you want to see what good that affliction was to you, but you cannot see it now. 
You must believe it. Honor God by trusting Him. The cross, the empty tomb, is proof that pain and suffering will not have the last word. There's something better to come. Let's pray. Father, those of us in the room tonight or maybe those of us watching online, Father, maybe we're in a time of, of pain and suffering or hurting or we feel abandoned, we're lonely, we're discouraged, maybe we're depressed. And we see in Paul's life some of the, the elements of what pain and hurt, suffering and hurt can actually benefit us spiritually. We, we, we can know you in, in deeper and more significant ways than then maybe without experiencing what we're going through. That doesn't make it any easier, Father, but let us be sensitive to that. Lord, it could be that you want us to enter into a, an environment, a sphere of influence to share with someone else, to serve someone else who's in a similar situation. And Father, I pray that at the end that we are fully convinced that all things are working together, that you are sanctifying us further and further into the image and the character of of Jesus Christ. Lord, we believe according to the word that the pain, the suffering, the difficulty, the setbacks, the challenges, the disasters, everything that we see, all the brokenness in our world is not the last word. Ultimately, victory in Jesus is where we will stand. Father, we thank you for that promise. Strengthen brothers and sisters who need strengthening. Give them courage and peace and strength wherever they are, Father, on their journey. And we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.